Well, thanks for coming. It's great to see you. Go ahead and turn your Bibles to Genesis 26. We're continuing, of course, our study of the book of Genesis. And this evening, the focus actually is on Isaac. It seems a little strange. Abraham has died. Isaac is the the promised son, is left to carry on. And God made promises to Abraham, and it was about the covenant, and they were to be passed on to his son. So the question really is this, and as we look at it, is will Isaac have the same promises and blessings that Abraham had. In fact, will the covenant carry on through Isaac? That's the thing, because you remember that God came to Abraham or Abram when he said that he was going to give him a land, a seed, and a blessing. Is all this going to carry on? Is it going to carry on through Isaac? Alan Ross, who is, was a professor of mine at Dallas Seminary in Hebrew, he said, you know, Abraham was gone. What would happen to the promised blessing? It would continue through Isaac. We see these events this evening as God reminds Isaac of the covenant promises. We'll see it as we go through there. We'll clearly see that God is there even when Isaac fails. Now, there's going to be a point we'll see later on tonight that that the promises of God are not canceled out by our failures. That's really good to know, isn't it? Because what if he said, I give you eternal life? That's my promise. But if you don't do right, you don't get the promise. That's not true. God's promises are not canceled out by our failures. We'll see it as we go through it. Truth for all of us that, that by faith in Jesus Christ we have eternal life. God's with us even in our failures. Well, this evening we get a little look or a closer look at Isaac. Let's, uh, let's pray and then we'll get into it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what a great night. Thank you for the great songs we've had and just the fun that we have of coming together with fellow believers to study the Bible. Lord, we just ask you as we look at Genesis and the truths and the principles are there that you will teach us. We'll see how things fit together and we can continue to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Savior. Lord, teach us now. We thank you for the, the promise to Abraham, which would be the land, the seed, the blessing, and then promised right on through Isaac and right through Jacob and all the way down through David and all the way down and until Jesus Christ came. And Lord, thank you for that promise of the Messiah and Savior. Lord, teach us now as we study. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we've all heard the expression, the old chip off the block, you know, and the child is just like the parent. It's amazing how much our children are like us, especially in things we don't want them to be like us. Uh, many times they look like us, they act like us, they talk like us, they do things. We don't always realize it, but then sometimes we say, boy, look at the influence that we have. I remember in the 1960s uh, and 70s, uh, when I was in college, there was a group called Blood, Sweat, and Tears. Some of you may remember it. Their first album they ever had was called The Child is the Father to the Man. And on the cover of the album, they had the, the, the guys in the band, but then there was a, a child sitting on each of their laps. But the faces of the children were the same as the faces of the guys in the band. And the title of the album was The Child is the Father of the Man, meaning that the children are just like the fathers, because whatever we're like is going to be passed on. Well, this evening, what we're going to see is the same thing in Isaac's life. And Isaac fails. We look at this passage. And he fails, and he does exactly the same thing that his father Abraham did. We said, gracious, what did Abraham do? Remember when Abraham got afraid, and he was afraid to tell people that Sarah was his wife? So he told them that she is the sister. We're going to see the exact same thing tonight when Isaac goes down to Abimelech, and he tells everybody he's afraid to tell them that she is his wife, so he tells them the sister, and he's embarrassed in exactly the same way that Abraham was. I think it's important that we realize just what influence that we have, how we live is going to be passed down, how we live is going to be imitated by those who come after us. Well, this evening, a closer look at Isaac. Uh, This is about the closest look we're going to get. Because if you go to the next chapter, and it will, we'll get tonight, and then next, next time we'll just put the whole thing together. But then when you start getting over to chapter 27, we're back into Jacob and Esau. And so Isaac is sort of the guy, as we've said many times, he's sort of the, the guy who's left out a little bit. He's been called the forgotten son. 
the forgotten one. Isaac is often called the son of Abraham and the father of Jacob. I put this up, or I talked about it last time. W.H. Griffith Thomas taught this. He said, you know, that Isaac was the ordinary son of a great father and the ordinary father of a great son. He was just an ordinary faithful man. You know, if you think about it, everybody says that Isaac was the son of Abraham and Isaac was the father of Jacob. And so he's sort of the left out one in, in the big trilogy there. But he was a great man and a faithful man. And I think one of the things that we wanted to learn from this, and we talked about it several weeks ago, is that most of us are not famous. We just want to be faithful people where God has us. I mean, Abraham was famous. Really, Isaac is famous in that sense because he's found in the Bible and all of this. But he's not anything that we'd say Abraham was or even what Jacob is. In fact, you think about it, everybody talks about Abraham as being the man of faith. And Jacob, God is called the God of Jacob more than any other person in the Bible. And so he gets all that, and Abraham gets all this, Isaac gets nothing. Isaac says, I got nothing, you know. Well, we're going to see a little bit about Isaac, and, and, and you might say the only chapter that you see him uh, up close and personal is when he messes up. So there's some great things there. I think we'll see it as we go through. We, last time we talked about that, that most of us are Isaacs. We're the, we want to be the faithful people. Well, let me break down the chapter for you. Here's what we're going to see. We're going to see two things. We won't get all that tonight. We'll stop at verse 22. But we see God renews and reminds Isaac of the covenant. This is very, very important because the whole Bible goes back. Basically, the whole truths go back to Genesis chapter 12 where Abraham was chosen out of all the people in the world that the Messiah would come through him, the land, the seed, the blessing, set it apart, a people group, and all of that. Well, now it's going to be passed down to Isaac. So from Abraham to Isaac. And then the second part, starting at verse 12, we'll see it is God's blessings under the covenant. And it is amazing that Abraham was a rich man. There's no doubt about that. But look what it says about Isaac as we go through this study. As we begin, let me remind you about God's covenant. It goes back to Genesis chapter 12. There's three things, a, a, a part of that. I think go ahead, next slide. That in the covenant there was the promise of the land, the seed, the blessing. The land is the promised land, the land that we call Israel. That was promised to Abraham, even though he did not possess it. The only land that Abraham had in all of this that he actually possessed was the place that he buried Sarah and the place they buried him. That's all he had. But all of it actually belongs to him and his descendants. Then he would have an offspring. The offspring, of course, would be Isaac, and Isaac would have offspring, which would be Jacob, and Jacob would have offspring, which would go down to Judah, and would go down to David, and it would always go down to the Messiah. But he would have a, a group, uh, an offspring, which would ultimately be the, the nation of Israel and ultimately the Messiah. The blessing would be that he would bless those that bless him, curse those that curse him, and all the nations of the world be blessed through him. That means the Messiah is going to come through Abraham, and there would be the salvation there. Well, that promise... That promise that was given to Abraham, we're going to see tonight, basically comes to Isaac in the same way. And we're included in the whole blessing because the blessing through Abraham came through Jesus Christ. And by faith in Christ, we have eternal life. Well, let's see what happens. Look at chapter 26. Look at verse 1. Now, there was a famine in the land beside the previous famine that occurred in the days of Abraham. So Isaac went to Gerar, uh, to Abimelech, king of the Philistines. Now, what the writer, which is Moses, of course, when he writes this down, he wants us to, to make sure we remember. He said there was a famine in the land, and this is, not, this is a different famine than had already happened in the days of Abraham. You remember there was a famine in the days of Abraham, and Abraham went, went down to Egypt and messed up. This time... There's a famine in the land. This is different than the one that occurred in the days of Abraham. So Isaac went to Gerar, to Abimelech, king of the Philistines. Gerar is a city, city-state, basically. And Abimelech, we're going to find that if you study the Bible and you go all the way back to Abraham, there was the same man named Abimelech. Now, there's only two thoughts about this. Either Abimelech is a really old guy, or Abimelech is a title. 
and most believe both ways. Abimelech has the idea of, of, of Melech, the last part of his name, means king. So it could be a title. Now, they lived a long time. How long did Abraham live? 175 years. So uh, this man named Abimelech could have been a younger man when he first met Abraham, and now he's an older man when he's dealing with Isaac. So it could be the same man. In fact, we're going to see later on that he's got a, a commander of his soldiers named Phicol, and that's the same name as the commander of the soldiers that talk with Abraham. So it could be the same people who just live a long time, or it could be titles. And it could just be that this is the title of the kings whenever, the, whenever Abim, this king Abimelech died, sort of like Dread Pirate Roberts in uh, you know, the Princess Bride. You just pass it on to the next person. Well, this could be passed on to Abimelech, could just be another name for the king. We don't know. He went down south to Gerar, which was a city-state ruled by the king. And, and so we, we, we see this. He goes there. Now, these are the Philistines. Philistines were the sea people. When I say sea people, we're not sure where Philistines came from. They're not natural to that area. The, the rumors, the thoughts, and throughout history and through what we see is they were called sea people because they came over from somewhere and settled in that region. And from the time that they came until you go all the way from Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob and, and to Joseph and to David and all of that, you get all of that stuff, you see nothing but conflict with these Philistine people, okay? And so look what it says. He went down to Abimelech, king of the Philistines. There they are. And uh, we're going to see that there's always been problems. And so the Lord appeared to him and said, do not go down to Egypt. Who went down to Egypt last time when the, when the thing happened? Abraham. And who did he bring back from Egypt with him? Hagar. Uh, that would probably, we could say right there, that was some mistake. Right? And it was. So what is God telling him? The Lord appeared to him. Now, by the way, it's capital O, capital, uh, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, which means it's the personal name of God. It's YHWH in Hebrew. That's the name that some people are going to call Yahweh. Uh, it, it's, we're not even sure how to pronounce it, but it is the personal name of God. So the personal God appeared to him and said, Do not go down to Egypt. Stay in the land of which I shall tell you. So he says, Don't leave. Don't go down. That's what happened to Abraham. He went down. God's given him instructions. And so often, we have instructions, we have the Word of God, and a lot of times we just read it and don't look at it. Don't, don't say, oh, here's what I'm going to do. We have written instructions from God. Now realize the land is the place of blessing. This is the land that's been promised, and we'll see it. And uh, So look at verse 3. So sojourn in this land, and I will be with you and bless you. Now that begins to sound familiar because that's exactly what he told Abraham. For to you and to your descendants I will give all these lands. That's the same thing he told Abraham. And I will establish the oath which I swore to your father Abraham. The oath is the covenant. He's saying, I'll, I'll do the covenant with you just like I did with your father. I will be with you. God never leaves us. I will bless you. There's blessing. Notice he says, I will multiply your descendants as the stars of heaven. Isn't that the same thing he told Abraham? You remember when Abraham got worried one time? God told him to go outside and look up at the stars, and if he could count the stars, that's how many offspring he would have? Well, now he's telling Isaac the same thing. I will multiply your descendants as the stars of heaven, and will give your descendants all these lands. And by your descendants, now notice this last part, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. What does that sound like? That's exactly what God told Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, verse 3. Same thing. 
He is renewing the promise. God is a great God. God said to Abraham, this is yours and your descendants. And now the main descendant is there is Isaac. And God is saying, this is yours and your descendants. And guess what? There's going to come a time that God's going to come to Jacob. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. He's going to come to Jacob and say exactly the same thing. Because God wants them to realize that whatever promise he makes, he will keep his promises. They're going to get the land, the seeds, the blessings. Notice what he says. I will establish my oath, my covenant, the promise, the land, the seed, and the blessing. And it's powerful. Many offspring. See, well, I will multiply your descendants the stars of heaven. I will give these lands and all the nations of the world will be blessed. The Messiah, by the way, think about it. How is all the nations of the world going to be blessed through Isaac? Through the Messiah. How is all the nations of the world blessed through Abraham? The Messiah came through him, which is the Savior of the world. How is all the nations of the world going to be blessed through Isaac? The Messiah is going to come through him. And so when we think about it, two things. That God is with Isaac. The Messiah will come through Isaac. But notice, the covenant promises and the blessing will be fulfilled through Isaac. And there's not going to be long from now... A few chapters on down the road, we're going to be saying the exact same thing that he says to Jacob. Because God keeps his word. He reminds him about his father, of what kind of man was Abraham. Man was, Abraham was a man of obedience. He says, because Abraham obeyed me and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, my laws. Abraham was a man of faith. Man, he took God at his word. He did what God told him to do. And uh, when it says commandments, statutes, and ordinances, uh, what did he command him to do? He said, leave the earth of the Chaldees and go to a land that I will show you. What was the statutes and ordinances? It was the, the, the whole idea of circumcision and the sacrifices. And he obeyed the word of God. So we see that over and over. Abraham was an obedient, faithful man. And you know what we're supposed to be? As obedient, faithful men and women living by the Scripture. The Word of God is alive and powerful. It's what we go to. It's the basis for our lives. And, and, and you know, people want to talk about all kinds of experiences, but it has to go back to the truth of the Word of God. We must obedient, be obedient to the Bible. Well, look what happens. What does verse 6 say? So Isaac did what? He lived in gear. He obeyed God. He didn't do bad, right? He, 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 I bet he thought... We remember when the famine came? What do you think he thought? Maybe I ought to go down to where? Egypt. God said, came to him. Now, here's the question, and we talked about it last couple of weeks. The Lord appeared to him. How did the Lord appear to him? We don't know. It gives us no information. I mean, we're going to, you know, later on, if you, when you study and over it into Exodus, you see that the Lord appeared to Moses by a burning bush. But a lot of times it just says the Lord appeared to him. We don't know why he appeared to him. Was it some, what kind of form was it? Was it a voice? Was it, was it some kind of presence in some way? We don't know. But the Lord told him to stay, and he stayed. So verse 6, so Isaac lived in Gerar. Now apparently because Gerar was a city-state, and Abimelech was the king, and a very powerful man, uh, maybe there was more food there. That's why he moved there. Who knows? Uh, it, it seems to me that when you study the passage and you see Abimelech, that they're not starving to death. Okay, So that's why he maybe moved down to that area to be with them because maybe the famine wasn't as great there. Now watch what happened. And we're going to see uh, with victory, sometimes there's failure. You ever thought about that? That a lot of times you read the Bible and you'll see somebody and they'll do something really good and then they'll turn around and do something really bad. I mean, think about Peter. What did he say? Jesus said, who do the people say that I am? And they said stuff like, well, some people think you're John the Baptist. Some think you're one of the prophets. Some would think you're Elijah. And Jesus said, but who do you say that I am? And Peter, without hesitation, said, you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. 
That's as good as the answer you give. And right after that, he says, but we're not going to let you go to the cross. We will not let you die. We'll not let nothing happen to you. And then what did he do after that? He denied him three times. So you say, he did good, he did bad. Think about David. David, a man after God's own heart, did everything he's supposed to do. But then what did he do? Bathsheba. Had had adultery with with Bathsheba. What about Noah? Did Did he build the ark? Did he trust God in the midst of never raining before and saying it's going to flood the whole world and Noah built a big boat and everybody came by and said, what you building? It's a big boat fixing rain. We never had rain. And so he did great, didn't he? But what happened to him when he got off the ark? You remember? He got drunk. What about Solomon? Wisest man who ever lived. And when God came to Solomon and said, I've now placed you as king, ask me, ask me what you want. And Solomon said, I, I, you know, I'll tell you what I want. Uh, I want wisdom to lead these great people. And God said, wow. He said, you didn't ask for riches. You didn't ask for long life. You didn't ask for any of this. He said, well, I'm going to give you all this and I'm going to give you wisdom. And so you think, wow, that's the greatest. Then what did he do? He openly disobeyed the scripture not to multiply wives and his wives turned his heart away from God. He married women that were not Jewish and they had false gods and he actually brought their false gods into the temple area. Now we're going to see Isaac. Isaac believes the promise, stays in the land, but he fails. He doesn't trust God. Look what we find in verse 7. When the men of the place asked about his wife, he said, She is my sister. For he was afraid to say, My wife, thinking the men of this place might kill me on account of Rebekah, for she is beautiful. Now, he was afraid because, you know, if she was his sister, they would treat him nicely because they all wanted to be close to her and maybe have some impact because if she was his sister, then he had the authority over her. And so he would say, yes, she's my sister. And they'd say, well, let's be nice to this man so that we might get to be with his sister. But if she's his wife, he's thinking, well, they might not. They might just say, kill him, and then we can have this woman. So he lies. That's exactly what Abraham did all those years earlier. Exactly the same thing. Was he afraid? You ever afraid? We ever did things we'd say, I don't know why I did that. I mean, I just should have trusted God. Hebrews says, Hebrews tells us, I'll never, God says, I'll never leave you or forsake you. What should you fear? Well, he can't hide it. There's fear there. Fear often causes us to fail. Fear of our peers, fears of reputation, who knows? Notice what it says. came about that when he had been there a long time, we don't know how long that is, maybe, maybe a year, who knows how long they stayed down there, that Abimelech, king of the Philistines, looked out through a window and saw, and behold, Isaac was caressing his wife, Rebecca. I guarantee you it wasn't what you do with a sister, okay? He looked out and he went, what in the world is going on out there? Remember the famous saying, Oh, what a tangled web we weave when we practice to deceive. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that shall he also reap. If you sow with the flesh, you reap what? Corruption. You sow with the Spirit, you reap life. So he's 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 sown of the flesh here, and he's, he's tried to lie, and he's tried to hide it. You cannot hide the truth. It always comes out. It always comes out. There's a place we're going to see. In Timothy, 1 Timothy, it's not going to be too long. Well, it, it'll be a while because it's on over toward the end of 1 Timothy, so it'll be a while. But it says this. It says, The sins of some men go before them and are easily seen, but the sins of others 
men sometimes come later. But the point is, it doesn't matter. It's going to be either before or after. It's going to be found out. So if you think, if we all think, what I'm doing, nobody knows, nobody's going to know, I can get away with it, you can mark it down. Be not deceived, God's not mocked. Whatever you sow, you reap. Whatever you put in, you get out. Uh, he is He's caressing his wife, and Abimelech goes, that is not his sister. He has lied to me. Look what happened, verse 9. Then Abimelech called Isaac and said, Behold, certainly she is your wife. How then did you say she is my sister? And Isaac said to him, Well, because I, I said I might die on account of her. I was afraid. He basically says, You lied to me. She really is your wife. I see what you're doing. I see she's your wife. Why did you lie to me? Well, I, I, was, I was afraid somebody might kill me. Look what the pagan king says to him. Abimelech said, what is this that you have done to us? One of the people might have easily lain with your wife and you would have brought guilt upon us. What he's saying is you put us in a bad position. You, you could have caused us as a people to mess up. I want you to see, I put this there, a pagan king rebuking the promised son. Same thing happened to Abraham. When he lied about it, they caught him. And they sent him away. He, it, it embarrassed him. They basically said, you can't stay here anymore because you're a liar. Here's Abraham, the man chosen by God. The man of faith is a liar. Here's Isaac, the man chosen by God. A man of faith. He's a liar. Now, there's two things that I think happens, especially when, uh, when there's this, this sin here. Two things. One is... Whenever we sin like this, it causes us to lose testimony. He became known as a liar. When we do the same sort of thing, uh, it ruins our testimony. You know, when you're doing things and eventually comes out, people say things like, I never thought that, but what do you think about that? But the second thing is the key. Can't stop the promises of God. The promise to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob, and the coming of the Messiah, and all of those promises had nothing to do with their faithfulness. The promise to you and to me that when we believe in Jesus Christ as Savior, we have eternal life and we are saved forever has nothing to do with our faithfulness. We can be disobedient to God. You trust Jesus Christ as Savior, and what does He give you? Eternal life, and you can be disobedient, which we are, does that cancel out the promise of eternal life? It does not. And we know people that will say things like, and, and this, this is the way, you know, you say to somebody, you trust Jesus, you have eternal life, and so you're saved and saved forever. And some people say, well, yeah, but if you do this, and they're, they're saying, no, no, I'm not saved forever. Because they somehow think that you can cancel out the promise of God. You cannot cancel out His promises. He didn't say, I'll do this if you will do this. He says, I give you eternal life. You will never perish. Don't ever go through life thinking you could lose your salvation. There are other promises, many other promises that He gave. So I, I think it's good to know that even though this failure here causes Him to lose His testimony, uh, 
you don't have to put it back up. It causes him to lose his testimony. But second, just realize this testimony, this, this failure cannot cause or stop the promises of God. It's based on his faithfulness. Aren't you glad that when God says, I will do this, that, that he will do it no matter what? It's the greatest truth of all. We can lose our fellowship. We can never lose our relationship. We see Isaac's failure is the same as his father, but God is faithful. And even in our failure, God is faithful. In fact, let's think about it. How many times? Anybody failed this week? Anybody do anything wrong this week? Anybody sin at all? Anybody want to say what they are? Where's Freddie? Oh, he's, is he in here tonight? Because I always want to get Freddie. Freddie will just tell you anything he does. But uh, oh, so you and Hazel. So there must be something wrong with Freddie and Hazel, because yes, Freddie, do you want to tell us what happened this week? <laughs> Yeah, but the truth is this. Aren't we glad? Whoa. Aren't we glad to know that what we do doesn't cancel out anything? Man. Well, watch what happened. We're going to see the blessings. Now, listen to this. And I want you to, to, to see this because he, he then tells him that, listen, no matter what happens, you, you know, I, I, he, he makes this statement that he's going to take care of. Look what he says. So Abimelech charged all the people saying, whoever touches this man and his wife shall surely be put to death. He says, we're going to take care of that. Now, watch how God blesses Isaac. Because remember, what's the promise? What's the promise? The land, the seed, and the what? The whole blessing? Now watch. You could say, oh, God can't bless him because what has he done? He's a liar. Verse 12. Now Isaac sowed in the land and reaped in that same year. How much? A hundredfold? Is that pretty good? Anybody know anything about crops? Would that be a pretty good uh, return? A hundredfold? And the Lord blessed him. And the man became rich and continued to grow richer until he had become very wealthy. For he had possessions of flocks and herds and great and a great household. So that was the result of all of this. The Philistines envied him. He became rich. Why did he become rich? Because he's just the greatest farmer that ever walked around, right? Is that why he became rich? Who blessed him? Why did God bless him? Because it was the promise. And it was the promise beginning with who? Abraham. Let me ask you something. Was Abraham rich? He was so rich, everybody looked at him and said, You're rich, man. You rich. Look at all the tents. Look at all the people you got. Look at all the stuff you got. And now here's Isaac. It's the same thing. He blessed him not because of his obedience, but because of the promise. Greatest blessing you have is what? Eternal life. You got that not because of your obedience but because of His promise. It's a powerful truth. Well, they don't want Him here. Look, the Philistines envied Him. They said, this isn't fair because this guy's over here and he plants something and it comes up a hundredfold. We plant something, we can't even find it. You know, why is this? How do we, let me ask you a question. How do we react when other people get blessed? We go, well, you know, really they're... They're not really doing that. I mean, you know, we they're not as good as you they think they are. That's how we react sometimes. Look what happens. Get a little background. Now all the wells which his father's servants had dug in the days of Abraham his father, the Philistines stopped up by filling them with earth. Why would the Philistines at the wells that Abraham and his servants dug, why would the Philistines come along and put dirt down in the wells and stop up the wells? Why did they want to do that to Abraham? Huh? 
Exactly. They said, this guy's too rich. We don't want him around us. And so if you stop up his wells, what's he going to have to do? He's going to have to move. So he gives us the little background and just says, Now all the wells which his father's servants had dug in the days of Abraham, his father, the Philistines stopped them up by filling them up with earth. Then what does Abimelech say to Isaac? Go away from us, for you are too powerful for us. You know what they're saying? We want you out of here because you're too rich. You're getting too blessed. We don't like it. It doesn't look good to us. You're too powerful for us. No telling what you could do to us because we don't trust you. Why don't you trust him? Because he lies. At least he did lie, so we don't trust him. if If he keeps getting this rich, this powerful, this wealthy, there's no telling what he could do to us. So Abimelech says, look, I'm the king and I've got to take care of my place. We want you out of here. We want you out of here. So Abimelech said to Isaac, go away from us, for you are too powerful for us. He realizes there's blessing, that God is blessing Isaac, and they're afraid he might take over. So look what happens. Verse 17, so Isaac departed from there and camped in the valley of Gerar and settled there. So he moved a little farther on out. So watch what happens. Notice the blessing continues, but watch. Now Isaac dug again the wells of the water which had been dug in the days of his father Abraham for the Philistines had stopped them up after the death of Abraham and he gave them the same names which his father had given them. So he starts going back through and he finds the wells and they dig them out and they get them going again. But when Isaac's servants dug in the valley and they found there a well of flowing water, the herdsmen of Gerar quarreled with the herdsmen of Isaac saying, this water's ours. And they said, no, we... We just dug this thing up right now. And the herdsman of Gerar, which the Philistines said, no, 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 this is our well. So he named the well Isaac because they contended with him. Well, Isaac means arguing. So he named the well arguing. And so what does he do? What is he going to do? Is he going to fight him? What does he do? He moved. So they dug another well. And they quarreled over that one too. He says, okay, if y'all going to fuss over this well, you can take the well. We'll just go deal another well. And so they dug another well. And since they dug another well, they came and quarreled on that one too. So he named it Sitna. Sitna means strife. So he names this well Strife. So he can move away one more time. And so he moved away from there and dug another well. And they did not quarrel over it. They didn't come after it. So he named it Rehoboth. Rehoboth really means broad area. And so he said, For the Lord has made room for us. We will be fruitful in the land. And we're going to stop there, but what are we seeing? We're seeing that God is blessing Isaac just like he blessed Abraham. Why? Because that was the promise. And everywhere he goes, the wells get stopped up. And so he, he digs another well and they come over there and run him off again. They're afraid of him. He's too powerful for them. We're going to see toward the end of the chapter. They actually come and want to, to make a deal with him. Because they're so afraid that, that Isaac's going to come back and get him. So they want to deal with him. And so here they run him off, they run him off, he digs a well, they come fuss about it, he digs a well, come fuss about it, digs another well, they don't come. So he says, okay, this is where we're going to stop, this is where we're going to live, and the Lord will make us fruitful in the land. What we're seeing over and over is that God keeps his word. And whatever promise he makes, it is not dependent on our faithfulness. We might not like Isaac, because we might say, Isaac's kind of a... He didn't keep his word. And we don't know what to do with him. And every time we turn around, he's the one getting rich. And we're doing nothing. 
you can see what happens. Next time, God comes again to Isaac to remind him of the covenant. We'll see that as we finish the chapter next time. What have we seen? God renews uh, and reminds Isaac of the covenant, the promise, the land, the seed, the blessing. It it indeed passed from Abraham to Isaac. We see Isaac's failure, same as his father Abraham, the same thing, but it doesn't stop the promises. And then we'll see the blessings of the covenant. God is always with them, even as they go and they dig a well, there's always the water, always the water. And by the way, it's not easy to find water out there. That's why it was such important to have a well. And, and every time they found the water, they argued with them, so they moved on to someplace else. Let me give you the applications. First one is this. Just remember, by faith in Jesus Christ, we have God's promises and blessings. By faith in Jesus Christ, He died and rose again, we have the promises and blessings. Think about the promise. The promise is eternal life. Now, there's all kind of promises. But just think about the one that is so vital that all who believe in Him will never perish but have eternal life. It breaks my heart to talk to people. And I talk to people many times. I mean, just college students will come up. Other people will come up. They'll come up and we'll start talking. And they'll say things like, yeah, but you can lose your salvation. Or you can say you believe in Jesus, but if you don't live right, you don't get it. And all this. They do not understand the promise. The promise is not based on us. The promise is eternal life as a gift. Tied in with all this is the blessings. And the blessings are incredible that God has given to us. He says, I'll never leave you, forsake you. What should you fear? In that sense, the blessings is uh, he'll supply all our needs. He'll, uh, you know, he's, uh, he's the greatest of all time. Uh, we can do all things through him. He gives us a home, inheritance, all of these things. That's his blessing. The third part tied in there was the protection. That he is always with us. And you know, we don't have to do what Isaac did, and that is to be afraid. We can trust that God is working in our lives. Uh, Jesus said, if they hate me, they hate you. But don't be afraid. I have overcome the world. It's powerful. May we rest in our God who provides and protects us. goes back to his promises. To trust Him. Second big application is God is faithful even in our failures. This is the one that helps me. Because God's going to do what He says whether we do anything or not. He promises will come true not because they're dependent on our faithfulness, but they're dependent upon His Word. And just remember, sin does bring the loss of testimony, but it doesn't bring the loss of promise. And that's very powerful. He is always faithful to do whatever He promises. I've talked to people and I'll say uh, something about trusting Christ and they'll say, oh yeah, I trusted Christ as my Savior. I say, well great, so you have eternal life and you're a Christian. And they say, well I used to be a Christian. I say, what does that mean? Well, I had it but I lost it. Is it possible to lose your salvation? Who made the promise? Is the promise based on Him or us? Based on Him. You can't lose it. And when we talk to people, remind them who's making the promise. It's not us. It's God. In Jesus Christ, there's the promise of salvation and the blessing and provision and protection. So may we trust our God and Savior Jesus, knowing that in Him we have the blessing, the promise of God, because He's faithful even when we're not. Well, let's, let's pray. And if you've got questions or comments or input, we'll do that. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what a passage. Thank you, Lord, for as we look at the life of Isaac. And once again, you do exactly what you said. You promised it to Abraham, and you said it would go through his descendants. And sure enough, it's Isaac, and you come right back to Isaac and make the exact same promises to him. Thank you, Lord, that is not based on uh, that the promises that you give are not based on us. 
because we see Isaac is fa- it fails and he lies and he and he messes up and yet the promises are tr- there and the blessings are still there just because you promised them. And Lord, thank you for the promises that you've given to us that you've you've promised us eternal life, you promised us a home in heaven, you've uh, you've given us power and and uh, all of the things that you do for us. Thank you, Lord, that we can trust in in you. Thank you, Lord. Sin may may cause us to lose our testimony, but it will never cause us to lose the promises that you have because they're based on you and not us. Thank you, Lord. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, questions, comments, anything, any any input, anything? Yeah, JJ. Maybe geographically, when it starts out, it's talking about the fame of the land. Mm-hmm. Is that up around the... the uh, it was... It was further north. That where they were was probably closer to uh, what's to Jebus, which is Jerusalem, and that area, Hebron, and all that. That was the northern part. And then they moved further south to Gira. Gira set down south, a little bit further south of the Dead Sea. We should have got a map, put it up, but it just didn't. But no, they didn't go on down to Egypt. They stayed in the southern part of. In fact, we're going to see by the end of the of the passage. The last well that he makes is Beersheba. Beersheba is the very southernmost part of Israel. So he's in the southernmost part of the land. Well, I think the Oaks of Mamre are further north. They're up north around around Jebus. Abraham traveled, went south a lot. Yeah, he went south a lot. He went down. To, he Abraham dealt with Abimelech. So he's dealt with the same man, the same man or the same king. So he's been down in that area before. And of course, if Abraham with all the flocks and all the herds, just think about all that they have, wherever they would go, they're going to have to have water. They're going to have to have that. So they dug, dug the wells or they took somebody else's wells. Most of the time, Abraham dug the wells and we see that they stopped them up trying to run them off. Good question. What else? Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know if the consequences of, of uh, Esau marrying outside of the family, marrying outside of the Jewish, is, is a consequence of this other thing. But there are consequences. We know that. Maybe that's one of them. But we know that the family, uh, it's it's never right because, you know, here's Isaac and, I mean, uh, Jacob and Esau and the conflict that is there. And, uh, you know, I think Esau is getting back at the family by what he does, because he didn't get didn't get the birthright. He's not going to get the blessing. We're going to see that a little bit later. So he, this is his way of saying, if you're not going to give me what I'm supposed to get, I'll just do things that I know will upset you. It'd be like, and I hate to say it, it'd be like one of our children thinking that we're not giving them what they want. So they'll say, I'll just I'll go marry somebody that's not a not a Christian, and I'll do it on purpose to to upset you because I know that's not what you want. That's basically what he did. He he went and married. Philistine people, people that are not, they weren't supposed to marry. Yeah. What else? Any other questions, comments, input? Yeah. It doesn't? Okay, well then you can't say it. No, you can. You can say anything. Yeah, 
Yeah, Jerry Bowman is one of the great men. He uh, this funeral's tomorrow. We'll, I'll be doing the funerals in the North Complex. Uh, Jerry has been in this church for years. He was an elder, just a great man. He uh, 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 last Saturday night, not last Saturday night, but the Saturday night before, uh, he had some pains, and it felt like he said that it felt like he. I didn't know this, but Donna, his wife, told me it felt like indigestion that didn't go away. So they went to the hospital on Saturday night, and they kept him overnight. And uh, uh, the next morning, really the next day, they decided to let him go. They said, you did not have a heart attack, but we need to go ahead and do the stress test, really, as soon as you can get the stress test. So he went home Sunday and then Monday, and he told Donna that he didn't really... He actually told her that what he felt like is maybe he needed to get more exercise, that he just hadn't been getting exercise, and that's maybe what it was. So he got this treadmill out, but he didn't get on the treadmill. And on Tuesday, he's told her he hadn't heard it all the whole day. He felt fine. Wednesday morning, when she gets up to go to work, he, he's retired, but she still works. and She leaves real early at about 5.30. And so when she, they left, they always get up at the same time, and they have coffee and talk and then pray together, and then she goes to work. And uh, she said that, he said, I don't have any, I don't, I'm not even, it's not even bothering me. And she said this, that Jerry's real programmed, and so at about 10 o'clock he always has his coffee, and, and then he has, eats, eats at 12, and he goes out and does stuff around the, the, the farm and stuff. Uh, he never drank his 10 o'clock coffee, and we found it on the couch. So what we think happened is he just laid down on the couch to rest, and it does not look there were, like there was any pain or suffering or anything it just looks like he was asleep he just went to sleep so we just think maybe his heart stopped for some reason and you know as a lot of people have been coming to me and saying you know you just you just never know no you don't you never know you don't know how long you've got and uh jerry was a great man i, I really <clears throat> he, he uh really meant a lot to me and uh, was a good friend and so i'm i'm gonna miss him it's gonna be hard for tomorrow uh, but a lot of people in our church know and love the family, and I hope we all reach out to Donna, especially, and the kids and everything else. So that's that's what we know. You sure remember doing a prayer tomorrow, Jerry? You, you, yeah, if you want, yeah, it'll be hard. I've, I've, you know, I've done like 240 weddings, but I've also done about 80 funerals since I've been here, and. It seems like in the last few years, these funerals are getting harder and harder because they're getting to be closer and closer people. Because uh, in the early days, sometimes it was somebody who would say, my grandmother died, you don't know her, would you do our funeral? And that's not very, that's not hard. But when it's like people like Vernon who died, and uh, she sat right there and said, you know, JB, I pray for you every day. I know Vernon, I know. And I don't know who's taking her place on that. And she was an amazing woman. And Jerry was a great man. So, yeah, it's, it's not very easy. Hmm? He really was. He was. Or he is. He is. God is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Jerry. Jerry's not dead. Jerry's body is dead, but Jerry's alive. Jerry's alive right now. He's absent from the body. He's present with the Lord. So one thing we have to remember, when people die, they're not gone. Their Their body may be in the ground, but they're alive with the Lord because... Uh, Jesus Christ has conquered death. Yeah. I told Hazel, Amy cried when I told her because he was so good with the children. He was. So good. She just fell in love with him. Yeah. All the time she was growing up here. She just couldn't believe she wasn't going to see him. Because there's, there's certain people like you and Steve and Jerry, she'd always say, I need to go. I'm not going to tell you what she used to call you. But, but I don't tell. Don't say it publicly, please. <laughs>
I think we'll move on to another subject. <laughs> Is there anything else? Any other questions or anything? Okay. Heavenly Father, what a great night. Thank you again for our Savior Jesus Christ and thank you that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord and we thank you that Jerry had believed in Jesus Christ as Savior and he's right there with our Savior now we just pray for Donna and the family as they're left behind and we miss him greatly for all of us in the church who love him as well uh, Lord uh, strengthen uh, and comfort the family uh, use us for your glory Lord and uh, we just thank you Lord we have your promises and they're not dependent on us they're dependent on you and you never go back on your word because you're a perfect God. Thank you, Lord, for that. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.